writer, director, and nail polish connoisseur. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I love our fans so much. <laughs> I just love them. I know, me too. I feel so much warmth towards you guys right now because you're just like, the comments on our Instagram are so sweet. Like, you guys are just so, like, loving and wonderful, and you care about the things we care about and you care about like the people we care about it's just like really lovely as such we want to keep you informed was that a smooth transition um so this will be our last episode with stitcher as our network but do not fear we will be coming back uh with a new network and a continuation of the weekly show there just might be uh, a couple weeks in between we're not sure yet if it'll be like a week two weeks but we'll keep you updated on social media when we're coming back for a season three with a new network and we're really excited although we are devastated uh, beyond belief to lose Tamika and Brendan who have uh, Brendan who's been with us from the very beginning and Tamika who's been such a huge part of the show since she came on board as our producer um, and I'm, I'm not going to cry this episode I told myself you- I said, no crying today. Allison cried because we're leaving Tamika. I'm also devastated to leave Tamika. Um, I told her I feel like we're like a mom who brings around different boyfriends and then our kids get used to them and then like we leave. Um, Yeah, like, you know, like our kids are the fans and they're like, but we we got used to the like this producer and then we're like, sorry. I Um, feel like the kids. Yeah, I feel like I keep I we don't have control over who our producer is. I feel like we keep that is true. It will be OK. So just between us will be the same show. Promise, promise. It's just moving to a new network and we'll take, you know, a couple weeks off. But we are going to be roaring back with a, a different producer, a new producer. Who could they be? We don't know yet. I wish it was Tamika. Is that going to be bad when the new producer comes on and they hear that we just love Tamika? We'll just be like, listen to the show, just not the last few episodes where, where we're we crying lament. over Tamika. Yeah, where we cry over Tamika. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but honestly, this is an example of life kind of throwing you a curveball and you got to you gotta adapt. You got to keep going. That is true. Um, and we're excited for the new network. So we'll, we'll announce that when it's time. When most contracts are, are dot the T and cross the I, you know. Just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. Allison, you're a professor now. Yes, thank you're you. A adjunct professor of production. Production. I, so I'm. <laughs> I went to USC as an undergrad, and I got a degree in screenwriting from them. Yeah. And I've sort of kept in touch with the film school because I think it's just an incredible place and community. And I am now from January to May of 2021 going to be co-teaching a class all about Internet comedy videos. I don't know where they got that idea from. Um, <laughs> all about defining your comedy brand and your voice online. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be just leading the minds of young America. I love that you're like, I'm going to go back to grad school. You go back to grad school. Then you're like, I'm immediately a professor. <laughs> I, know, I, keep, I keep wanting to email my professors at grad school and then sign it Professor Raskin. I, yeah, you did say that you would prefer to be referred to as Professor Raskin. So, yeah. What are you going to do if there's like a JBU fan in the class? I'm going to be super jazzed. 
<laughs> I, right? I don't have to win them over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Teaching is hard. Yeah. And it's also going to be over Zoom. So there's going to be, you know, it's going to be a new skill set. Always oh. looking for backup options for me, looking for some stability when possible. And yeah. so maybe, maybe I'll be half a therapist, half a film professor. I'll take anything if you pay me. That's right. We're looking for jobs. <laughs> we have a cool job coming up, but we can't talk about it yet. But uh, I know I'm very excited. There's another show of, of me and Allison that you'll be seeing soon. What, what, what? But we, what, can't, what? we can't talk about it yet. Okay. So this week, Allison, introduce our guests because they're an expert, but they're also personal to you. This week on the show, we're going to be interviewing ultra marathon runner Myrna Valerio, uh, all about inclusion in the running community for people who don't have stereotypically lean or muscular bodies. Also, uh, I may or may not know Myrna personally because she may or may not have been my music teacher in middle school. <laughs> uh, we'll get more into that because that is wild. Later, we'll discuss sexism in the media and why we need to pay attention to how stories are covered. But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Vivian, Illinois. So Vivian's question is, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Some background. I'm a female math statistics major who is a senior in college. I just got my dream job in quantitative finance, but I've been dealing with imposter syndrome throughout college. As a girl in upper level math classes, I've always felt like I'm not smart enough because I don't have the math training that a lot of other people have had. No. I also struggled a lot with math in my sophomore year. I'm graduating soon, and soon I'm going to be the second female trader in a trading firm out of 100. Whoa. I'm probably going to have imposter syndrome there as well because no. most people hired have done many math competitions, and I haven't. I also am the co-president of the Selective Quantitative Finance Club on campus and feel less intelligent and qualified than people in this club. Normally, I have no issues with confidence except for regarding my intelligence. I know I'm smart, but I don't feel as smart as the people around me. How do I get rid of this feeling? Uh, and then she just pumps us up. I don't want to read the whole paragraph, but she saw us at the Strand. She loves yeah. us. Uh, she offered Allison help with statistics homework. Yeah. So I really appreciate all of that, Vivian. And, you know, I think that imposter syndrome is very common. And I think especially for women in math and sciences. This is wild. Everything you listed is like. This is the smartest person I've ever heard of. I know. <laughs> like, I, you're like, yeah, I'm basically like a genius, but I don't know. Girl, what? <laughs> well, I want to start off by saying that a sign of intelligence is questioning your intelligence. Go off. You know, I think that for people potentially with lower intelligence or people who don't do critical examination of themselves or their world or their thoughts, uh, they tend to think, oh, I already know everything. I'm an expert on everything. And they're not. So just in the fact that you are questioning whether or not you're smart enough to do something implies that you probably are. Yeah. Also, you got that job. They did not give it to you out of pity. They did yeah. not, you know, it wasn't like a lottery. Um, you were given that job because of how you present yourself and your background and obviously your wealth of knowledge. And imposter syndrome is very typical for women. Yeah. Because we are trained to think that we are not good at math. And that's just like a microaggression that's like thrown at women constantly throughout yeah, their education. Yeah, it's in media. It's all over the place. Like it's probably been insidiously in your mind since you were a child. 
And mm-hmm. like you still went into math, like you still went into quantitative finance, like you you overcame that because that was like what you your dream and what you wanted to do and what you were drawn to. So you deserve to be there just as much as anyone else. And like you're like the I'm the president of this and I'm that and I and I did this or whatever. But I didn't do math competitions. Girl, who cares? You got to where you are. You did it. But I also think that like it's very normal to feel the way that you are feeling. And I guarantee a lot of women in similar positions feel the same way. I mean, just the fact that you're joining a company where you're going to be one of two women is like horrifying, but also like that's setting you up to have imposter syndrome. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's not like some failure on your part that you're feeling this way. Like society is making you feel that way. So what you have to do is you have to do the work of this is just identifying those thoughts as yeah. imposter syndrome and just being like, they're not based in reality. I've earned my my role here. And that like this assumption that all these other people are smarter than you is incorrect. <laughs> oh, and let me tell you, like the men that are there are not as smart as you. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they are there, even probably people that are your superiors not smarter than you, maybe same level of smart. I'm going to probably say less smart, Uh, but they just have people fail up. Yeah, they just have confidence and they're like able to just somehow glide through life with entitlement. And they're like, yeah, of course I'm meant to be here. And they don't struggle. I mean, maybe some of them, but Mm -hmm. like Allison said, it's it's more typical for women. Just get there and do your do the best you can do. You don't have to like, anxiously ruminate on like, well, how did I get here? What if someone asks how many math competitions I've done? Like (laughs) live in the present, live in the present. You are there and you have to do the best at your job. And that's all that matters. And I think that when you get there, you will see a lot of people making stupid decisions. Absolutely. You will see management fucking up. Like Mm -hmm. I I have rarely worked in a place or where I'm like, God, everyone is very qualified here and good at what they do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's just like not the reality of the world that we live in. So uh, don't think that like, oh, my God, you're the one person who made it through the system. No, like everyone hopefully has some form of like, oh, my God, am I capable of doing this? But you are. And asking yourself that is just going to make you better at what you do, you know. But I also think that like you owe it to yourself to have confidence. Yes. And focus on what you have, even if that means like writing down a list of of what you do have, like the evidence that is in your face that you do have, even like, I got an A on that test one time. I was co-president of this. I like, you know, interviewed for this job and I got it. And then don't write down anything that you haven't gotten because it doesn't matter. I mean, Allison, you and I live in a world of rejection, right? Like Mm -hmm. we, we, every day we get emails that are just like, no, thank you to you and your work and your personality. (laughs) And sometimes it helps to like have a note in my phone where I write down everything that like has happened and is going well. And like we have achieved because oftentimes I walk around being like, I'm a loser. I'm not as good as everyone else in this industry, blah, blah, blah. But like, then there's evidence like in my phone. That's like, no, this is right. I've had like a really big shift. I've realized where I feel like when I was younger, I felt that of like, am I good enough? Like, am I good enough to do what I want to do? And the shift now is I'm like, I am good enough, but I'm so worried that I will never be given the opportunity to prove it. And you've got it, girl. You got it. This person's ahead of us. Exactly. 
Let me ask you a question. Why are you asking? Look at us. I stu- what did you study, Allison? I studied journalism. I studied screenwriting, but I am very good at math. Also, I barely skated by in math. Barely. I like wanted to be an astronaut and I got like a D in math. And I was like, well, that dream is dead. I, I don't know how to speak for Allison. You are asking a bimbo. <laughs> this question See, but that's not true there's so many different forms of intelligence and there's so many you know different like if you feel like you're behind in any way all you have to do is just like do some extra research or you know what i mean yeah. like you can always if it's in terms of like knowledge you can always learn things like you can always like set that hour apart every day to like sit down and maybe like learn more of whatever it is that you're doing yeah my mom's a lawyer and she goes to like lawyer like yeah, she has like to you should always skills. be learning. Yeah, but like if it's in form of intelligence, which to me is like problem solving, applying your knowledge to actual situations, like you've got that. You've got that job. You are graduating college with your major. Like you're kicking ass. And so just be kind to yourself. And also, whenever you f- start to feel that, I would I love identifying my thoughts and identify that thought as society. You know, it's like society telling you that you're an imposter. And so Mm -hmm. then you just go, poo-poo, society. I'm great. Yes. Also, befriend that other woman that works there. Get lunch with her. See what's up. And just, like, enjoy your victories. You know, Mm -hmm. you got that job. Like, imagine how you'd be feeling if you didn't. Like, you know, like, this is a time of celebration of, like, you kicked ass. Like, in a time where so many people are unemployed and are struggling for stability, you've already locked in your job before you even graduated. That's awesome. So I'm just really excited for you. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that like self-introspection is always bad. Like I think that there is a healthy dose of like, am I applying myself? Like, is there things that I maybe need to brush up on? Like, I, you know, I don't think that the answer is now like, I will be the best there ever was at everything. But I think that this idea that you are less equipped than anyone else is completely false. And instead, it's more like, how do I elevate myself even more so that like in five years, I'm running that company? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, man, I can't wait till you run that company. Um, (laughs) If you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's just between us, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Stick around after the break. We've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Myrna Valerio. Stay tuned. Just between us. Hey. Hi, everyone. Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books, and that is why I am so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And with a loyalty program, you get rewards 
rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice to text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before so I'm so excited for that check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off create an unforgettable gift for your mom this mother's day that's mylifeinabook.com use code just between us for 10% off today Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. Allison, introduce our guest. Um, I, I don't know how, because in my brain, Myrna, you are my middle school teacher who I've never even referred to you by your first name before, probably. No. Um, <laughs> and I mean, well, I probably the whole time, right? Fifth through eighth grade yeah. teaching me music. Oh my goodness. And some drama as well. We did a play, right? We did a couple. I remember I was Gwendolyn. What was that from? You were Something. one of the witches and Hamlet. I was? Yes. And the the story that I remember the most fondly is <laughs> you and the other two witches, we had built this fake fire uh, with this cauldron that you had uh, built an art class with Mr. Robbins. 
And, and you went all out. And you were like, double, double, toil, trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron, bubble. Like, mind you, there were two other people in that circle, but I only remember you. And it was just so emblematic of that entire year. And you were like really into everything. And you were so serious about like being that witch. Like, and I was like, I'm not, I'm going to let this little girl do her witch thing because I have no memory of this. <laughs> double, double, toil, trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron, bubble. <laughs> I mean, look, I believe it. That you are committed, Allison. You- yeah. And also, like, I just love the idea of the other two girls being like, I guess just like yeah, let her I take the lead. I wonder who it was. Oh, man. I, yeah, middle school was wild. Um, I also remember when we had to do uh, like a dance from a certain culture and we and my, my partner had the mambo, but then we forgot to bring in the mambo CD. So then everyone just sang mambo number five as we did our dance. You know what? I was all right with that. That's the kind of teacher I was. I know. You really rolled with it. It was great. You were like, why don't we all just sing mambo number five? <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, 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 wait. So besides being your music teacher, what else is Myrna known for? Well, I have to say I have been uh, stalking you on social media for years and you have like exploded as like a famous runner who is now like the face of like, I feel like LLB, like you've been involved with so many huge brands and you've written a book and you are a spokesperson, I feel like for just like non-traditional like running. I don't know. Can you how do you pitch yourself? Because it's amazing what you've done. (laughs) Do you want the five minute version, the 10 minute version or the 55 minute version? (laughs) <laughs> we'll, then, take, we'll take five so we can <laughs> yeah it won't you. even be five minutes but okay so like back in 2008 i had this health scare which prompted me to get back on my treadmill again and after you know after being told by the cardiologist that i was uh going to die um if i didn't change my lifestyle so uh so i did and i got back on the treadmill i had always been a runner eventually started doing 5k's 10k's marathons Ultra marathons. I'm skipping over a lot of detail here, <laughs> wow. but um, yeah. And then I start this blog called Fat Girl Running because I'm fat. I'm a girl and I run, and I still run and I'm still fat, <laughs> and and I still identify as a woman. So um, so that got the attention of Wall Street Journal, and um, and then suddenly my story was a story that people identified with a lot of different people identified with. And then, um, and so now I, uh, I love teaching after 18 years and the year that I taught your year, that was my first year of teaching ever. And so 18 years later, I decided to go rogue and do this thing of being a professional athlete who doesn't win anything. <laughs> Maybe just accolades, but I don't win. Like, I think so. but, um, but yeah, and so I am a sponsored athlete. I am a writer. I do all these like really cool things. I actually just got off the trail um, before this. And so like, that's my job. And I, I cannot be in a better place in my life right now. Okay, wait. How long is an ultra marathon? Typically, they start at 50K, which is 31 miles. And that's my sweet spot. Oh, my God. I love 50K, but I've done up to 100K. And, um, and then uh, I've done a six-day stage race. It's 120 miles, uh, about averaging 20 miles a day, 20,000 feet of vertical gain, that sort of thing. I love that sort of thing. And I just want to, you know, I'm going to continue and see how long my body can go. 
Wow. And why do you think uh, that you have connected with so many people and that you form such an amazing fan base? You know, clearly you are resonating with so many people. And I mean, I think the obvious answer is that like traditionally we imagine runners to look a certain Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and then you're breaking that mold. Um, Did you realize that that would connect with so many people? I didn't. You know, I I have always been an athlete since I started playing sports in high school. Um, And I used running to get better at the sports I was playing. I was playing field hockey and lacrosse. And, uh, and I fell in love with running. And so when I started my blog, Fat Girl Running, it was just a way of sharing with people here. Here are the things that my body is able to do. I'm so excited about it. This is not a weight loss blog. You know, I, mm-hmm. I did do that. I did lose weight um, when I reconnected with sport, but that wasn't the focus. The focus was like, here's the joy that I can exude as I'm moving. And I think people connected with that. Uh, They also connected with uh, the stories that I told about the stupid stuff that people would say to me. Um, Mm. You know, like maybe you should just go on a diet, you know, that sort of thing. Along those lines, what advice or do you give advice to like fat people who reach out to you and are like, I want to start doing sports or running specifically, but I don't know how? Uh, That's a great question because I think a lot of people think that there's some magic to starting, that there is a hack. There are no hacks. So my suggestion is to throw all of your previous experience with running, for example, throw it all out. Whatever that experience is, I mean, just throw it out because you don't need it right now because we are in the now moment. So you go outside or if you have access to a treadmill or if I mean, you don't even have to have a treadmill. You can run inside your house because a lot of people have some some issues with being seen. But yeah, yeah, you you get on the treadmill or you go outside, lace up before you do that and you start out walking if you need to jog a little Stop, smell the flowers. I mean, if you're in a city, don't, you know, don't inhale the fumes, but uh, <laughs> don't smell anything. <laughs> Maybe you should just go back in the house. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, like if it's your run, it's no one else's run. Um, you're going to walk a little, you're going to run again, walk a little. And, you know, a lot of us start too fast. And then, no, I'm going to sprint the whole run. And then by that, the time you get to the end of the block, which is 50 yards away, you're done. And you're like, I hate this. This sucks. I don't want you to have that experience. I want you to ease into it. Feel the joy. Check in with your body. Check in with your heart. How you you doing, heart? How you doing, legs? Oh, not so good. Okay, maybe tomorrow it's going to be better. Um, You know, and then and then you build from there. You build a new experience. You touched on it a little, but like, yeah, so I think some people really do get worried about working out in front of other people. How would you say someone can kind of combat that fear? Or is that something they even need to combat? Yeah, you know what? I think, you know, people are jerks. <laughs> Not everybody's a jerk, but there are definitely some jerks uh, that will comment or that will, you know, you can see what they're thinking via their body language. And mm-hmm. know that it's going to exist. People are going to be... A-holes. You can either let that stop you, but you can just let them, you know, deal with their own darkness because really that's that's all that is. It is their own darkness that they are projecting on you. If you're at the gym and you go do your workout, right? And you smash that workout, you crush it. And then you throw the towel at them. Um <laughs> And then you go on to the next machine or whatever. The other thing, like if you're going to gym, I highly, highly recommend, you know, providing it's okay during COVID, 
to meet with a personal trainer, learn the machines, learn how to create your own workout. So when you go into that gym, you own it. You own your mm-hmm. space because people, are, you know, people are watching. Oh man, wow! I'm gonna just own that. <laughs> I want to do that too. <laughs> you know, and you walk out, and so, um, so there's that. You know, so there's so many different things, um, you know, that are preventing us from taking that first step, or or taking that taking that first step after a long time. And you have to have these conversations with them. Well, I'm gonna do it anyway, even though mm-hmm. even though my neighbor is a jerk. Uh, and I have to run by their house. I'm going to run by their house anyway and wish them the best. (laughs) I love when you say that's their own darkness. I think that's Mm -hmm. like applicable for so many things where it's just not your issue. It never has anything to do with you. Right. Can we talk a little bit about what that was like for you to be, you know, years into teaching and living a probably familiar, stable life, and then kind of taking that leap to now full-time being a, like a pro athlete? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it was very scary. <laughs> yeah. People in my family were like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I had a very successful career as a teacher. Um, after my blog got discovered by Wall Street Journal and then subsequently by Runner's World and NBC Nightly News, CNN, et cetera, et cetera, and my story became public, um, I started getting all of these like media requests. Hey, can you be on this podcast? Can you come on this TV show? Can you come out and speak? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, and I had to ask my school that I was at, hey, I was like, I'm getting all these like amazing offers they're like, please do it. Please oh, go good. and do whatever good. it is that people are asking you to do because it's amazing to see. And we want our students to watch you, watch you grow and watch you do the thing that is your passion. Uh, just tell us when you're not going to be here. I, I love that place, I, you know, because because they were so gracious and generous with me and allowed me to do all these things. And so it became so much and so overwhelming that I did have to get a publicist um, and, you know, hire a team uh, to help me with all of these things that I was being asked to do, like commercials for JCPenney and stuff. Why do you think you took off? Is it just because you were so committed to it and you're so delightful? And like, they just were like, this is something that could inspire people. I think it's, yeah, I think it was a matter of inspiration, motivation. And finally, there's somebody that looks like me. Finally, there's someone that runs like me. Finally, there's somebody that's black. Somebody's, you know, somebody that's a woman. Typically, you know, you had seen, you know, white, thin men on the covers of say runner's world. I I didn't get the cover of runner's world, but I did get a 12 page feature. And so, because my mom was counting and (laughs) (laughs) runner's world, why not the cover? I don't know, but you know, I'm so grateful to them for that because that really changed my life after that. Like I was not able to keep up with the media stuff and it's still, I, I, every time I think, Oh, I'm going to get a break it starts ramping up again. And so I think that that was it. And so I had these companies come and say, hey, can we make a video <laughs> um, of you? REI was uh, one of the first. And that video of me, which is based on me being trolled while I was at a 50K finishing it up, that went viral. Can you say what happened at the race? Sure, I will. Um <laughs> So I was doing this 50K and the filmmaker that REI had hired, uh, her name is Sarah Menzies. She's incredible. She was there. She's waiting for me at the finish. I was about two and a half miles away from the finish. I had my friends with me and I took out my phone to take a selfie. And mind you, this, this film was about 
a black lady running in the woods because <laughs> that is still a story, right? It's still a yeah. thing because there's not a whole bunch of diversity in uh, the outdoors, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's what the film was about. We had done some interviewing and stuff and this was my final thing and that's what we were going to be you know, focusing on. And so two and a half miles away from the finish, take my phone out to take a selfie. I noticed there's an email notification, right? Because I'm reading email on the trail. <laughs> um, and so the, the subject line said running. And I thought, oh, it's my, maybe one of my cross-country parents or, you know, one of my fans. So I opened up the email, first mistake, um, and I read it. And, and then I like stopped like, dead in the middle of the trail. And I was like, oh my God, because the first line of this email is you are a fraud. And Uh. then I stupidly kept reading and it was this uh, guy, because I looked him up uh, and so did other people, who was very upset with the fact that I put up these uh, fake videos of me fake running. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, he was mad at me for promoting this idea that fat people can be accepted in the world. Uh, And also he was mad that I ran so slow and there were a lot of F-bombs. It was, you know, it was really awful, like an awful, awfully traumatic thing to receive and to read while I was at the almost finish of this race. And and my, my friend said, Put, put your phone away and let's go. Let's finish this thing. And I was like, not before I um, put this on Instagram. <laughs> so I, I, uh, because I really wanted people to know what was going on while I was running this race. And so I put it on Instagram, mm-hmm. immediately had like 500 comments, right? All wow. super positive, right? And, and then I finish the, everyone congratulates me. And then the filmmaker says, hey, uh, congratulations, number one, you did such a great job. I'm so glad I was here. Also, that email, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And if you're open to it, let's talk about it when we um, when we do the interview. And so so the interview comes along. I'd forgotten, like I'd compartmentalized. I didn't forget it, but I'd compartmentalized mm-hmm. that whole experience. Right. Mm-hmm. So at the very end, the very last thing we did in this interview session was, uh, she's like, sit down, take out your phone. I was like, oh, man. And so I had to read it again. I got very emotional reading it. And uh, mm-hmm. because it, it is really traumatic, like here you are attacking me about running in the body that I have. Because I can't do anything else. I can't have another body. I don't want another body. I am so happy doing the things that I can do. And this guy, well, he was just so mad. You know, a lot of people have very violent reactions to seeing me and not violent physically, but like just verbally and being verbally abusive yeah. uh, because they have this one image in their minds about who a runner is, what they should look like. They definitely should not look like me. And people are mad that I've gotten so much press. People have gone, you know, so much as to say, um, oh, well, she just wants attention. Look, I'm not asking for the attention. <laughs> Y'all can't get me. <laughs> They're coming you know, to you. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just trying to run and I'm trying to, I'm trying to do what is good for my own body, my spirit, my mind. I'm not running for you. I'm not running to show anybody anything but myself. I mean, that's a side benefit. It's the side benefit is that mm-hmm. people see me and are like, oh, maybe I can do that. Oh, that's, that's super mm-hmm. cool. I feel inspired and motivated. Although I think inspiration and motivation comes from within. Sometimes you need help. 
right? Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try something. I'm gonna try something that I've never done, or this thing that I've been looking at and that I've been curious about. I'm gonna try that too. And so, so that film, even though it's supposed to be about this black lady running in the woods, it was focused on that, on the sort of the fallout from that, but the incredible community that came out of that. And so it, when I say it's the gift that keeps on giving, it is literally the gift that keeps on giving. That was in 2007. It is 2020. I still wow. get gigs. Hey, I saw that video about you. First of all, fuck the haters. Second of all, can we make a video about you? Or can we send you some blah, blah, blah? Or can you can we pay you just to be you? Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> you can pay me to be me. <laughs> So basically that's what I get. That's how I make money is that like, I just get paid to be me and to also put it on Instagram and to talk about it and to write about it. But like, I, I mean, like who'd have thunk, who'd have thunk. It's amazing. (laughs) That's wonderful. I also just think that so many people feel like that big thing has to happen like in their early twenties or it's like not going to happen. But I, for me, like that you had this whole career first and then did like such a cool pivot was, has always been so inspiring to me. And I'm always like, I never know what's coming. I never know what's going to be next. You never do. But like the other thing is that everything you do and everything that you have done feeds into what you are going to do. Like I wouldn't have the stage presence or the ability to speak in front of people had I not been a performing artist. Right. You know, I teach anti-racism courses, like basically full time right now <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because white people. Anyway, so um, so <laughs> so yeah. I wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to do that had I not been a teacher for 18 years and had I not led diversity right. efforts and, you know, led a whole d- uh, department in it. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be a writer had I not written for my college paper <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, you know, had I not written for a bunch of, or some magazines and stuff and like the school magazine, like I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not done it before. So everything that you do now is worth it. Everything you, you learn something, you learn what you want to do. You learn what you absolutely don't want to do. Um, and, you know, as, and as you mature, as you gain wisdom, I don't know if I can call it wisdom, but you, you really, really hone in on the things that make you happy, what gifts you can offer to yourself and to the world. Well, I needed to hear that today. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Would you like to play a game show? (laughs) Does it involve saying double, double toil trouble? (laughs) It can. (laughs) I just remember doing a play in like the dining hall, like in the awkward, like in like, just, I feel like it was like the importance of being earnest. My goodness. Was that in the dining hall? Did we do that in the dining hall? Yes, I think so. Yes, it was the importance of being earnest. So it was obviously the abridged version. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. So we did Hamlet, the importance of being earnest. And then we did some other things. Like I I put you in a band, I think. Oh, um, really? For eighth grade. I I think you guys had to do a band, like a a blues band with like Katie Pine. Oh, my God. um, Yeah, yeah. And you you performed for for graduation. (laughs) I'm sure it was my best performance to date. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, I could talk about this forever. But 
the the listeners need their hypotheticals. Uh, hypotheticals is a game show where you and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask as many clarifying questions as you want, and then you would tell me what you would do in that situation or um, assess your actions. If that makes sense. And sometimes we're working together, and sometimes we're opposites. And just um, depends on if you agree or not. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of nervous because I'm not good at game shows. <laughs> There's no, uh, it's completely arbitrary. And I'll tell you right now, you're going to win. Um, Come on! <laughs> um, okay, so our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? You run into your partner of two years' ex-girlfriend. She tells you that your partner used to cheat on her all the time, and that is why they broke up. You never knew this, and when you confront your partner, they admit to cheating on their ex, but swear they will never cheat on you because you are so pretty and really funny. Would you stay with this cheater? Just to confirm, you are very pretty and super funny. Well, thank you, number one. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, life is short. So I am going to, even though I'm married, (laughs) uh, I'm going to stay with the cheater. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. And you start cheating on me, I'm going to start cheating on you. So um, wait, what does the ex look like? uh, Also a beautiful woman. Huh? And well, but wait, but but I would be like, have they been cheating? And I just didn't know. I just they notice. say that they have not and that they've they have no intentions of cheating on you. But did they ever admit it to how did the, how did the ex find out? Uh, because they were sloppy cheating. Lots of text messages and all right, all right. the photos. So how do I know they just haven't refined their methods? That's life, Gabby. You can't know <laughs> things uh, in my 45 years of being uh, alive and present. I'm all about serving me. So I'm going to have fun. And then when it's over. It's over. I might cry a couple of tears and whatnot, but I'm going to, you know, on to the next one. I I didn't <laughs> see that answer coming, but I kind of love it. <laughs> I'll agree. I'll, 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 same answer. I'll agree. <laughs> that you guys are just a lot. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, uh, they do cheat on you with 100 other people. Oh, but my God. You have a lot of fun until you find out. <laughs> How did they even find 100 people? Do I even know 100 people? Are there condoms involved? I, you know, I, I, that's nasty. That's okay. That is grounds for no so more. They leave Sorry. You. <laughs> Once they hit a hundred, they're like, I think maybe I have, I, I want to leave. Please tell me that the twist is that their ex is my soulmate. You know what? I'll give it to you. Woo! <laughs> okay. I like it again. <laughs> okay. Our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, 11, is incredible at the violin. If they continue to play, they will most definitely get a college scholarship somewhere. The only problem is that they fucking hate playing the violin. You convince them to keep playing in order to get a free education. Are you a terrible parent? You also hate the violin, but it's free college. Uh, I'm going I'm going with free college. Really? I'm sorry. You know, like, when you go to college, you can do violin and mm. something else, right? So, um... If, because you're not going to be living up on me after college. You're not going to do that. You're going to have to make some money. You're going to have to have a job. How how old is the child? 11. Okay. My parents let me quit everything. <laughs> and I wonder if that was like a mistake. Or is it like bad to force your kid to keep doing? Like we did gymnastics and I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And my parents were like, okay. But would it have been better for them to force me to do gymnastics? Would I be like Simone Biles right now? No. 
what if my parents had like, but, but I really loved playing basketball and I was so bad at it and they said nothing. They were like, yeah, definitely. The WNBA is absolutely in your future. So I don't. And they're not that terrible parenting because they yeah, shouldn't be I don't lying. know. Like, I, would they, should they have forced my sister to keep doing horseback riding? Would she be like a prodigy equestrian? Like, we don't know. What's the right answer? Parents of mm-hmm. this podcast, please write in and say, should you force your kid to keep doing something they're good at or should you let them quit? Please let us know because I'm confused. How about I keep, they have to keep playing violin, but I give them like treats for doing it. Like every time like they finish, like yeah, yeah, like every time they finish a lesson, they get ice cream. Good You're a good boy. Good violinist. <laughs> yeah, you good violinist. I'm sorry, but both of you guys lost that one. Fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the right answer was. I, I'm actually a, a horrible parent. So <laughs> I remember when you were pregnant. Isn't that crazy? <gasps> oh my goodness. And now my kid is 6'4". Oh my God. That's nuts. Whoa. Um, okay, our final game. Would you lie or tell the truth? Your best friend and your mortal enemy are competing against each other in a race. It is not being filmed, and you are the only one waiting at the finish line to see oh my who God. won. Oh my your God. Your mortal enemy wins by a hair. When they ask who won, would you lie or tell the truth? There is a 10K prize for the winner. I would lie. 10K uh, dollars? <laughs> Or no. you have to run a 10K race. <laughs> I use the wrong terminology for a runner, but $10,000. <laughs> lie. Take it to my grave. Lie. Oh, lie. Yeah, I'm going to lie. Totally. Yeah, my best friend deserves deserves the world. And my mortal enemy, I hope they get a, a fatal case of chicken pox. <laughs> I just wanted something that was like kind of minor and not that violent, but would kill them. Well done. Thank you. So as I said before, Myrna, you won just because of your spirit. Um, (laughs) That's fair. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people follow you and your journey and everything that you do? Sure. Um, I am at the Mernovator on everything. So on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, if you still do that, I still am there. I'm old. So like, you know, it's all about Facebook for, for me and my community. Uh, I have a I have a really dynamic group called Fat Girl Running on Facebook. And it's like a diet talk, weight loss free zone. And it's all about athleticism and the body that you have. Um, and uh, I'm also on Patreon at The Mernovator. So thank you very much for your support <laughs> in advance. <laughs> Yes. This is so fun. I had the best time. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you for coming. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about sexism in the media. Is there any? Oh, yeah. to just between us it's time for topics xxxxxxxx baby bye bye so we've talked about sexism obviously but i, I feel like uh, I and wanted- we solved it it went away right it, it's gone but it's we- gone <laughs> i wanted to hone in on uh sexism in the media especially because of uh kamala harris uh mm-hmm. as our vp potential mm-hmm. um and just the way that the media has portrayed her has really you know reawoken my investigation into how women are portrayed in the media and how yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> so it's really interesting they actually did a study and it found that like race and gender dominated coverage of harris's vp announcement yep what like in good ways you know i think 
some black women were stoked on it. No, totally. Um, but like, you know, I think that there was like a lot of like a stereotype framing of yeah. her of like, you know, the angry black woman trope. And totally um, a lot of like reporting about like what Trump says about her, which is mm-hmm. like very harmful. And I really think that we've kind of talked about it before with journalism, but the way that you phrase things and the words that you use are so powerful. And even if you think that you're giving unbiased reporting, you're not when you use certain phrases and when you frame things certain ways. Correct. Yes. So like even like an example of like saying like George Clooney's wife. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of Mm -hmm. her name, because like that's how we associate women as first. Like who are they married to? Not like that they've gotten their own accomplishments. (laughs) Amal Clooney, the wife of some actor, who knows? Exactly. But like, think about how different that feels to like to a kid or to like a young girl growing up. Yeah. You know, to see that like someone's accomplishments are just like overridden by who they married. Yeah. I mean, I I saw a friend of mine posted about the anniversary of the death of the therapist that was killed in a domestic violence sort of situation. Her name was Amy Harwick, and it was like a horrible case. And I was reading about her and all of her accomplishments and all of her work um, as a therapist. And then every article about her death was like Drew Carey's ex-fiance. And I was like, why is that necessary? Like, why? Right. Even just like the questions that women are asked is like so different. Like if you like look at like what celebrities are asked, they're constantly asked about their clothing. Mm -hmm. There's like this great interview with Scarlett Johansson where a a problematic woman, but problematic, uh, (laughs) problematic woman, Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) But like, you know, they like a guy like asked her, a reporter was like, what do you wear under uh, the black widow suit? And she's like, everyone has asked me that. It's like not appropriate to like ask me what underwear I'm wearing. Like, are you asking that of like anybody else? Right. Yeah. And and so I think that like. Wait, there's a great one with Maya Bialik from The Big Bang Theory where she's at the Emmys. And the guy's like, is it so crazy playing a scientist on TV? Because you have to say all these crazy words. And she's just like, "Um, no, I'm I studied neuroscience in school. Yeah, an astronaut was asked, a female astronaut was asked, how are you going to do your hair in space? Um, Yikes. But I just, you know, I think that it's like obvious that there's an issue with the way that women are reported in the media. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, we can all agree that that's bad. But I think that what we do need to do is like when we see those instances, we need to like call it out. We need to like retweet it and point to the fact that that's wrong. And Mm -hmm. also if you are a parent, and your kid is consuming that media to point out to them how it's sexist. Yeah. Because, like, I think what we're missing so often is, like, the critical thinking element that we talk mm-hmm. about, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we don't understand how much, like, this subconscious taking in of the way that these women are portrayed and they are discussed. And, like, you know, like, two women won the chemistry Nobel Prize and, like, they didn't list their names. They were just, like... <laughs> Two women win the chemistry Nobel Prize. It was me and Allison. And I would really appreciate being reported on. Uh, uh, Wait, okay, so two things. One, there was this really amazing video that someone did where they they switched the character movements in a, a Batman video game between Batman and Catwoman. And they switched, like, the coding for how they move, right? And it was, like, it looked ridiculous because it had the Batman character moving in this way that was like unnecessarily sort of sexual Mm -hmm. 
And the Catwoman character was like very stoic. And that was like so jarring to see because we're so conditioned to see women moving in this way that's like the male gaze in in video games and in TV shows. And then there was also, I also want to recommend a podcast called You're Wrong About, which is like one of my favorites. That show is by Sarah Marshall and Michael Hobbs. And they go through how the media treated a lot of times women and how it was incorrect or wrong. So they like went through, you know, how the media treated Nicole Brown Simpson, uh, how the media treated their, their recent one is about princess Diana Mm -hmm. and like how they painted her as like this sort of willful, like sex at like, they like took pictures of her, like in a bikini on the beach and were like, she's so inappropriate. And it's like, you took pictures of her. Like Mm -hmm. what? She's wearing a bathing suit. Like it was, Wild. First of all, the 90s, what we let people get away with towards women. We well, all think everyone, about Monica Lewinsky. I was going to say, everyone here, Venmo Monica Lewinsky, $5. Everyone here. <laughs> but that, ha- so that's such an example of how powerful the media was in portraying that story, right? Because imagine if instead of it being like, oh, this girl like ruined uh, right. the president's marriage, it was if instead imagine that headline of like, young intern taken advantage of by president of the United States. That's the actual story. Right. 100%. And so we have to hold our our news organizations more accountable for how they're portraying things. There's been some debate of like, should there even be headlines? Because I feel, let me tell you, girl, as a reporter, you don't write your own headline. And that is a liability because Mm -hmm. I would turn in an article. The editor would write some uh, like clickbait, horribly offensive headline. And then I would get the flack for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like so that like if we can be more vocal when we see those skewed headlines and those offensive headlines. And I think that like, you know, so much of what I'm learning in school is that like, oh, this might seem like minor stuff and that there's like not a big impact. But there is like when you grow up and all you're seeing is women being shown to you through a sexist lens, you are going to internalize that. It's impossible mm-hmm. not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as much as we can, like not just like letting ourselves like read that and be like, oh, OK, like we have to challenge it. And we have to like even just in our own brains for ourselves, be like that is an incorrect portrayal of what is actually happening. That is an unfair way to introduce us to this woman who has mm-hmm. done so much on her own. But we're looking at her through the lens of a male. Or is truly a victim. Can I tell you Mm -hmm. an embarrassing story that I don't think I've ever told? Sure. It's not that embarrassing. It proves your point about like how insidious it is and and kids and stuff. When I was like seven, Mm -hmm. I had this notebook that I would draw in all the time and I drew like cartoons and stuff. And um, my dad and I were on an airplane together and I went to the bathroom and my dad was like opened my sketchbook and was looking through it. And he was just kind of like, "What, what sort of cartoons is she drawing? She's seven. Like he didn't really think about it. And he went through it and he found that I had on some of the pages, I had like recreated tabloid covers that I had seen at the grocery store. Oh, God. And and they were all like and this was just we didn't have them in the house. This was just me going to the grocery store with my mom. And while we're in line looking at the tabloids and I'm seven and I'm and I'm caught and I've redrawn the tabloid covers that I've seen with like sex scandal or like Mm -hmm. princess diana or like you know like uh whatever and i've recreated it exactly based on whatever words i remembered and that that is how in city and my dad was like what the hell is this and i was like it's from the grocery store like i didn't even know 
And I was like a kid. I'd say that like one of the worst ways that it's impactful is is with female politicians. Like we kind of talked about up top, but like yeah. the portrayal that like just the double standard that women are held to in the media of like imagine if like if Hillary Clinton like shouted the way Donald Trump shouted right. during the presidential debate, like all of that stuff like they're still like they have to remain so level and so I don't want to say stable because I do believe you're able to express emotion and still be very stable but Mm -hmm. like they they have to walk such a fine line because if they if they raise their voice at all or if they do anything emotive the press is going to jump on that and be like well I don't know seems like a live wire yeah I think there's stuff with like hair remember like donald trump spent like i don't know 700 million dollars on his 70, hair and then like um AOC. Uh, aoc had like highlights and everyone lost their goddamn minds mm-hmm. also she had to like come out and say that her clothes are from rent the runway and because uh, everyone was like how is she wearing margila whatever maison margila or whatever it's like girl i do rent the runway like calm down yeah i mean i think that we all know that it's happening but i think that maybe there's this feeling that like it's gotten better or that it doesn't have that big of an impact but i it really does and so like as much as like especially with parents and their kids like when you're watching the news and something happens that is overtly sexist making a point to be like that was sexist by the way that's not yes that's not objective news coverage and even if you think that they're not paying attention they are i mean something as small as going through the grocery line Mm -hmm. like affected me as a kid i mean that's so normalized like it's all around us but this isn't to say that like that women aren't allowed to be sexual beings it's just that they're in control if they want to be (laughs) do you know what i mean even just like oh my god her nude photo got out it's like oh you invaded her privacy Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, what yes. is the difference in that type of reporting? Yes. Also, the things about, like, things about um, when Megan The Stallion and Cardi B did uh, WAP and everyone was like, you know, oh, it's so sexual. But, like, then, you know, there's, have you ever heard Or Nah? Like, that's a rap song by a bunch of guys that's, like, so sexual. Right. Like, it's just like, what are we talking about? And the amount of coverage about that and talking about how crazy that was and how it's so sexual and is it harmful? You know, even that is so sexist because it was so much of rap is is sexual. (gasps) And all music is sexual. Right. Exactly. It was harmful. I will say that. WAP was harmful to me in the sense that I almost had a heart attack from Megan the Stallion's butt. <laughs> that girl is hot. Call me. Listen, I know Megan the Stallion listens to this show, and I just want to say I'll treat you right. I'll oh treat God. you right, girl. <laughs> Tamika, do you want to come on in and share your thoughts? Well, I actually had a question for you guys about like how women are portrayed in the media because I've had a lot of struggle with how my voice is perceived. It's like there's no way to be perfect. You know, it's Mm -hmm. either like too low or too high or too youthful or too old. And it's just like a lose-lose battle. Have you guys had that same kind of experience? Your voice is so soothing. I thought you have like the best voice. I love your voice so much. You guys are literally the first people to ever tell me that. Really? (laughs) What? People just have like preferences on how you should be speaking to them you know they always have some sort of advice for me 
That's you sound so young, but that's what that's all. You know what it is? Because you're talking to two nasally ass Jews who are just like, what? Your voice sounds great. Like nobody's voice sounds like mine. I've been told that my voice is like a cartoon voice. Really? I, I've been told that I have a distinctive voice, but I don't see why. When I was in that Payless commercial, people said that they knew it was me just from hearing it in the background. People I wow. barely knew. Isn't that mm. weird? But anyway, Tamika, your voice is incredible. Yeah. I would say you both have distinctive voices. Like, I can't say you sound like anyone else I know or any celebrity, but I can't explain why. I've heard, and let me know, fans, I have heard that I have the exact same voice as Demi Lovato. But I don't know if that's true. But I've heard that our speaking voices are the same. Well, you should impersonate her and make lots of money. Yeah, let me get right on that. Become a professional Demi Lovato impersonator. Yeah, because we look so much alike. <laughs> I feel like people who are listening to podcasts who are like, the female ge- host's voice is blah, blah, blah. It's like, we already lost you. You already have some deep misogyny that like we're not going to reach here. I do have to say I've stopped. And this is not just for female podcast hosts, but a lot of times the reason I do stop listening to podcasts is because I can't listen to their voice anymore. <laughs> is that yeah. terrible? It depends on if... And it's men, too. It's, like, just as... It's, like, equal. But, like, sometimes it just, like, I... Maybe I've listened to it too much or whatever, but I do, like, have to, like, stop listening to certain podcasts because of that. It's because sometimes people have what I call a wet voice, where it's, like, you can hear... You can hear their saliva too much. Oh, the mouth noise? And that's everybody. That's everybody. And I... So I really... I don't think... I don't hear it in myself or in you or in Tamika, so that's really great for us. It helps what kind of mic you use, but it also helps if you like drink a lot of water. Yeah. Some people, you just can't help it. Some people, yeah. I also prefer a more natural voice. And I feel like in the podcasting arena, there's a lot of like, and this is how I talked while I'm doing my podcast, but it's not their actual voice, you know? (laughs) Or you then hear these people who do these voices and you're like, could that be the real voice? And then you hear them do like a a short interview part where they are being more colloquial and you're like, oh, that's not their voice at all. Yeah. (laughs) It's all a lie. But I I truly believe, Tamika, that I don't even know why anyone would say that to you. And again, like going back to like, I love what Myrna said about that's their own darkness. Yeah. Like what kind of person would even feel entitled to tell you about your voice? It's like that they have issues that they have to work out. Tamika, the next book that I write, will you read the audio book for me? Yeah. (laughs) It's so soothing. Every all our fans would love it. I would literally do that. But I don't know that anybody else would care but me. (laughs) Would you would you maybe just like call me at like 11 p.m. every night and just like out loud read a story or something? <laughs> Gabby Dunn, it's your bedtime. <laughs> that was thrilling. <laughs> I would. Yeah, that would be great for me. Um, I did love uh, something Mirna said about, you know, I can't change my body. This is the body I'm in. This is the body I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm just enjoying doing what my body can do. Uh, it was probably my favorite moment of the episode when she said that. It's beautiful. I loved that. Yeah, she's amazing. Just every part of her journey, even just like taking away like how incredible it is to like break these boundaries of like s- the sports part, but just that she like completely did a 180 on her life and like believed in herself enough to do that and like took that risk and um, and just like it all happened kind of so organically. Like she said, you know, people came to her and that's like, and you see why it's so cool. Mm -hmm. 
My favorite part was uh, uh, the story about Allison taking on that witch role very intensely. <laughs> double, double, toil and trouble. <laughs> I just picture these other kids being like, okay, this one's about to win an Oscar, I guess. I was like very strange in middle school. You know, I didn't have good social skills. But as I've said before, you can learn social skills. No, girl, do not take that back. Like you own you. You were the best witch that school's ever seen. (laughs) Oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah, I mean, I it's great because like I'm not musical at all. But also like she was still like one of the few teachers I like have such strong memories of. And so Mm -hmm. it's like clearly not about the subject. It's just like about the vibe and how you make kids feel and stuff, you know? Yes. People who are inspiring are the best teachers. Totally. Because I was never a musical person and it was still, you know, one of the like best relationships I had with the teacher. Yeah. My science teacher, Mr. Klosky, is one of my favorites, but I was not planning on going into the sciences. Yeah. Never too late. Although every once in a while you do bring up that you were going to be a scientist journalist and how you should have done that. Biology. We know. Yeah. But that Um, was all that was all Mr. Klosky given given me pumped up confidence that I I did not earn. (laughs) Um, What do we rate? What do we rate our final episode together? I rate it 10 out of 10 Tamikas. Oh, I rate it 15 out of five Tamikas. Oh, wow. (laughs) Do I have to stay with the the theme there? No, (laughs) no. Um, Gosh, I don't know. A hundred more episodes of JVU. Oh, maybe we'll have you on as a guest one episode. I was thinking that. Is that a trick? Is that allowed? Maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tamika's so it'd be fun. We'd grill her, but every question, Tamika's like, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> every question. Nobody would care about that. Yeah. But we do care. And that's what we hope that you can take away from our time together is how much we do care about you and how much so many other people care about you. And that what you have to say is very important. And follow Tamika at TV Tamika. Please. We'll, we'll tag her. We tag her on the Insta. Go follow her. Well, just be excited about what's coming next because um, I have a good feeling about what you guys are going to be doing when you come back in a few weeks. Oh, new energy, new focus, and, you know, hopefully some, some fresh inspiration after hearing about Mirna said today. Yeah. Right? Totally. And also, Brendan, thank you for being here. The the only participant in this podcast who's been here from day one still. Woo, uh, we Brendan. appreciate you so much. The music that you've made for this show is like, to me, what defines it. Um, and you're just such a pleasure to be around always. And go get Brendan's album that's out. Please. That's so sweet of you. If I can say, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure working with both of you. And I think you're both brilliant and hilarious and i've loved every minute of the podcast and i think what you're doing is really important and a really positive force in the world and it's really needed right now and uh i'm a super fan i know you guys are going to do amazing work moving forward thanks guys have you the the fans have not heard brendan's voice oh yeah hey fans it's a pretty good voice right (laughs) also good i don't know what it sounds like really so hopefully it sounds okay also very calming thank you oh wow i'm doing my best not to cry during during this you cried last episode so all right do we do we wrap this thing up do we hit the credits yeah okay thank you myrna valerio for being our guest just between us is hosted by me allison raskin and me gabby dunn 
Our incredible engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is the incredibly talented and supportive Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. For is now. And, is and was. <laughs> was a production of Stitcher. And we have loved you guys so much. And we can't wait to continue our journey with you. And we'll keep you updated about when we're relaunching. It should only be a week or two. Yeah. Don't, don't worry. We'll be back ASAP. <laughs> Stitcher.